politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties, to fight for our country anew. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house, your host of CR Podcast here at Blaze Media on Friday, June 11th. We always love Fridays. Today is when we put everything together, what we've observed, what we've learned from the week and come out of the week with our marching orders, our action items. And today is the day in 1776, June 11th, that the Continental Congress tasked the Committee of Five with drafting a plan. And that turned into the next month, Declaration of Independence. That's what we need. We need our committee, group of people, to get together in the areas where we have majorities at the very minimum to draft our Declaration of Independence from the system. That's the political system, everything. We need to self-separate culturally, economically, politically as much as we can in the areas where we think we have a majority of like-minded people. Sign up constitutionaction.com to join one of our teams. I am going to be pushing an agenda in all these states because... It appears that if we actually get on their case, they listen. And that is today's show. Look at how committed the left is, the system is, to accumulating power. What they're willing to do, the collateral damage, or sometimes maybe it's on purpose, in pursuit of those goals. How committed are we to stopping them, or at least inoculating ourselves, separating ourselves from their impact? That's what we're going to d- discover and explore today. Um, you know, yesterday we talked a lot about the crime stories. If you haven't heard it, it's worth going back and taking a listen. We have more stories. I could do the same thing today. Happens every day. So you guys need to protect yourselves from street violence that's worse and more prevalent than ever before. You are crazy if you live in one of the majority of states that you actually can carry a weapon. Um, and everyone's like, okay, Daniel, what, what carry weapon should I get? What concealment? But they often forget the most important things are a proper tactical gun belt and a proper holster that's both safe but also very efficient in properly drawing that weapon, um, saving your life, drawing within 1.9 seconds, you know, and getting two shots to the chest, that all depends on having a holster properly situated on a proper belt. We the People Holsters, our longtime partner, has you covered starting at just $40, custom-molded, American-made, fits almost any firearm that you could possibly think of carrying. They have right-handed, left-handed, inside, outside the waistband, propriety clip designs, um, allow you to make them adjustable, both the cant and the ride, so it's both comfortable and secure at all times. As well as their, you know, they have good EDC tactical gun belts. I really do recommend them as opposed to just a regular dress belt. So again, every holster gun belt comes with a lifetime guarantee. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com/cr, get an additional ten dollars off with offer code CR. Really, the cheapest well-made holsters out there, especially with the promo code. Again, wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. So, folks, I'm just trying to take in everything we're looking at this weekend, this week, everything we've learned from the left. They are so badly willing to control and deceive in order to make money and power for their cronies. With COVID fascism, with the, with the vaccines, the fake vaccines. They're buying hundreds of millions of vaccines that aren't needed with our money. Pfizer says jump and they say how high. You now have this story out there. What a joke. Passengers on the first fully vaccinated North American cruise, two of them tested positive for COVID. So they mandate vaccines and they test positive. Look at what they're willing to do. Lie about ivermectin. Lie about hydroxychloroquine. Lie about vitamin D and zinc. 
lie about myocarditis, and then like, yeah, I guess it is a problem, so we'll hold an emergency meeting next week. But in the meantime, you better get the vaccine. Look at what they are willing to do in pursuit of their goals. It's truly amazing to watch how many lives they are willing to destroy and kill to promote the vaccine. Do you know, it's amazing what came out. I don't know if you guys saw this this morning. So we were the first to report this, but then suddenly it broke through the Cleveland Clinic's study that showed impervious natural immunity from prior infection. Not a single case of reinfection. Whereas the vaccines did have a few. And the conclusion was, uh, well, yeah, you really don't need to vaccinate these people. Now, we've had a million other studies domestically, internationally, saying the same thing. For some reason, this one broke through. Maybe just because the Cleveland Clinic has a very strong reputation. And the system doesn't allow that. You're no longer allowed to have double-blinded, randomized controlled trials anymore. That's the gold standard. Not if the results are not what we want. So the Cleveland Clinic had to put out a statement. The Cleveland Clinic recommends those who are eligible receive the COVID vaccine. We recently shared research that provides insight into how the immune system protects the body after confirmed COVID-19 infection. The study followed Cleveland Clinic caregivers over five months as the vaccination process was beginning. The data showed that the vaccine was extremely effective in preventing COVID-19. In addition, we found that none of the previously infected employees who remained unvaccinated were reinfected. Look at the passive language over the duration of the study. This information could help guide vaccination efforts should there be a shortage of vaccine supply. Oh my God, folks. Look at how they have to reinvent the way to look upon it. Um, so the study shows natural immunity is better than the vaccine. And they're like, no, 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 everyone should get vaccinated. We're just saying, look, if there ever would be a shortage, you know, you, you might want to prioritize those that weren't uh, infected. This is still a new virus and more research is needed. So not more research is needed on the vaccine when not a single country to country state to state comparison shows any difference between vaccination rates and cases and we have all the myocarditis problems but um this is where we are unbelievable what this tells you is that everything you hear whether it's crime whether it's illegal immigration whether it's economic news every issue is a lie the system gets what it demands. Do you think they're going to allow research out there that stands in contrast to them? It truly is amazing. Sometimes you got to learn from your opponents. Their tenacity. Their indefatigable efforts. They stop at nothing. They are willing to take a look Every single proven treatment and say, COVID, you are allowed to remake society, humanity, governments, constitutions, economies. You could do anything under the guise of COVID except for actually treating COVID. You're not allowed to treat it except with something that costs at least $1,000 a dose, preferably 3000 That's what the science says. The question to us is, in the, at least starting with the red states, where supposedly Republicans control and therefore conservative voters should wield influence over them and conservative supposed talk show hosts and influencers should influence them, are we just as committed to stopping their evil and protecting ourselves from their evil as they are in perpetrating it? And the answer we learned from this week is it doesn't have to be the way it is. I want to get to in a moment, Greg Abbott, what's going on there? 
I literally called, I had a Monday show, I called for what? Three things. Build, Texas build the wall. Give more resources towards holding them in prison and more legal authority to arrest them on state charges, illegal aliens. Greg Abbott announced yesterday he's doing all three. What happened was Don Huffines, and this is not about me. That's not the point. Don Huffines, he's going to be on the show next Wednesday, I believe. He's the first major challenger. There probably will be others to challenge Greg Abbott. He tweeted out my article. So just like I got stuff done on the vaccine passports with Greg Abbott, I got him to respond on this. Could you imagine if Tucker, Laura, Sean, Mark, Glenn, all these guys would have my focus? Could you imagine how impactful they would be, especially when you couple that with primary challenges? We could be doing so much more in these red states. We are leaving on the table. We don't even realize it. Even the stuff I'm calling for, I think we could do much more. Oh, Daniel, I don't know if we can do this. Give me a break. Laws don't matter anymore. It's a political will. One one side has it. Are we going to match them? That is what we need. The opportunities we have are enormous. Again, I could look at it cynically that Greg Abbott is only doing this because of the primary challenge, and we do need to follow up and make sure he actually does this. And it's true. I'm not saying he should get reelected. I'm just saying, look at the power when you actually train fire and challenge them in states where the majority of voters they know agree with us. Boy, there's nothing like a primary challenge. This has been a lonely fight. I've been involved in primaries for 13 years. And barely any of these talk shows will even have our candidates on. You know, sometimes it looks so hopeless, like you're speaking into the abyss. I was promoting Brian Slayton's bill to build the wall, and no one would get on it. And then suddenly, boom, it just cracks. When you reach that critical mass, the line between success and failure in promoting our values in red states is a hairline. We're leaving so much on the table. This is what makes me so miserable. See, if I knew it was lost, it's lost. What are we going to do? But it's because I know there's so much we could still do in parts of the country. And we're not doing them. And that's why I feel a sense of urgency. Now, folks, one of the places where we work together to gather as a town hall is through constitutioncoach.com. Their constitutional defense course, hosted at Front Sight Nevada. They've been a partner this year with CR Podcast. I've gone out to their trainings at Front Sight several times already. They have a number of dates, September, October, November, and December. I will be at the October 31st one. So if you want to get good rates on hotels and rental cars are really a fortune now. So you, you, you want to sign up for that now. It's a great time to go because the summer is very hot in Pahrump, Nevada. The fall, you know, it obviously gets cooler. This is, They have two-day and four-day courses, but if you do it through constitutioncoach.com, you get 90% off, just 150 bucks for the four-day course. It's unbelievable. Normally, it's $2,000. It is the best defensive training you will get. You will feel comfortable firing out of the holster, headshots at seven yards, chest shots at, at, at 10 and 15 yards, um, you will learn everything about how to defend yourself in a defensive situation. And then Rick Green gives his Constitution courses at night. Most of all, the camaraderie, we get together, meet members of this audience, meet myself as well. So again, sign up at constitutioncoach.com for 90% off. Register today. Don't, don't wait for the slots to be taken. So folks, how much are we leaving on the table in the red states? I want to play a clip from you from Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. If you remember, I supported Jeff Sessions, but Trump came in and endorsed Tommy Tuberville, and I warned about him. So think about it. We have 
everything people like Alex Berenson were warning about with the vaccines became true. Right now, if you want the vaccine, everyone knows about it. If you believe in it and you think a risk risk assessment for you personally that it's beneficial, you don't need anyone telling you that. Instead, we have fascism. We have stifling of life-saving information about it. We have them shoving it on kids. We have the worst fascism we have ever had in our country in terms of invasion of privacy. Tommy Tuberville puts out a video saying getting the vaccine is safe, effective, and free. I got mine, and let me tell you, it's worth it. Vaccines have slowed the rate of hospitalization and death dramatically, and we want to keep it that way. Take a listen to Tommy Tuberville. I'm Tommy Tuberville, your United States Senator for the great state of Alabama. But you can call me Coach. Folks, the COVID-19 pandemic has been tough on all of us. In our state alone, we've lost more than 11,000 loved ones to the virus. But you and I both know that Alabamians are resilient. Thanks to the efforts of many getting their vaccine, we're getting close to beating this thing. We're on the one-yard line, but we just need one more play to run it in. You can help us get the win against COVID by getting vaccinated. These vaccines are safe, effective, and free. I got mine. It only takes a few minutes, and let me tell you, it's worth it. The Alabama Department of Public Health has worked hard to make the vaccine available to every community, especially our rural areas. Our rural communities are the backbone of our state, and the state wants to make sure you have access to the vaccine, no matter where you work or live. That's why there are free vaccine providers in every county across Alabama. Vaccines are helping to ensure our gatherings with family and friends, whether it be at church, our favorite restaurant, or during the course of our busy lives, stay safe. Vaccines have slowed the rate of hospitalization and death down dramatically, and we want to keep it that way. So whether you're in a city or a small town, getting the vaccine is the best way to keep everyone safe. We all want to support and help our fellow neighbor. It's the American way, and it's the Alabama way. So talk to your doctor about getting the COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm sure they'll tell you what mine told me. The vaccine is the safest and the best way to protect you and the ones you love. Alabama's the best days are truly ahead of us. And that's definitely true with football season coming this fall. So let's get back to normal by doing our part and taking the vaccine. May God bless you and God bless the great state of Alabama. So folks, this is what we have from the state of Alabama. He made it up. There is no evidence backing up anything he's saying. It was seasonal and herd immunity that did it. That is a fact. So rather than putting out a video saying, look, I got mine, but people shouldn't be coerced. We shouldn't be doing it on children. At least if you're going to be supportive of it, be nuanced and follow the science. But no, every time we need to match iron with iron, fire with fire, the commitment of what the left is doing with a commitment to stop it. We have guys that rather than responding with a fire extinguisher, they respond to the fire with a blowtorch. From the reddest of states, this asshole, Tommy Tuberville, this is what he's putting out. I've never heard him put out a helpful message in 15 months on COVID fascism. And then this is what he puts out, and God opened the mouth of the, of, of, of the donkey. We're getting our Alabama team up. We have a middle and like a northern and southern Alabama team. We're going to have our faculty training. We have two team leaders. Sign up for your Alabama team. We have sucky senators. We have a terrible rhino dirtbag, Governor Kay Ivey. She's in cycle, needs a primary challenger. We have a state legislature where we have very few good people there. Alabama is one of the worst states where we are underperforming politically relative to what could be done. You look at what a primary challenge and a little bit of specific focus and litmus test that we made in in Texas. Look at the change in Greg Abbott's behavior. This is what keeps me up at night. The movement is growing in in. School boards, COVID fascism, lawsuits, 
critical race theory. We're getting there. We're having more than ever better legislators introducing stuff. But we need to make that a litmus test. We need to, to pressure these people. We need the teams in place and we need the primary challenges in place. I said this at, actually I spoke at Front Sight at one of the dinners. I made this point. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. It's talking about repentance. But it applies to really what we're talking about in life too. When you obey the Lord your God to observe his commandments and his statutes, written in the Torah scroll, and when you return to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment which I command you this day is not concealed from you, nor is it far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and fetch it for us to tell to us so that we can fulfill it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross to the other side of the sea for us and fetch it for us to tell to us so that we can fulfill it. Rather, this thing is very close to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you could fulfill it. And I was talking about the point that first you need it in your mouth. The reason we don't have people that believe it enough, the reason we don't have enough people fulfilling conservatism is because they don't believe it in their heart enough. The reason they don't believe it is because we don't articulate it enough. I was basically giving a speech on how we need to preach to the choir. You know, it gets a bad rap. No, you need to convert people. I'm like, that would be nice. But if we would only take the people that despite the media onslaught, despite all the lies, despite the one-sided censorship, still voted for Trump. And in many states, majority of states, and 80% of the counties, they constitute a majority and a good share of those, they constitute a super majority. If we would just take those people And rather than lead them astray, get them focused on the right issues, the right arguments, the right policies, and then pressure the hell out of the elected officials. It's so close. We could do this. You see the few instances where we get a primary challenge, where we get some trained focus on these people. You see what we could accomplish, what appears to be like a five-year project. Boom. Overnight, they agree to do it. It's so much there, we could do it. We're leaving so much on the table. If all of America voted like Baltimore or San Francisco, I'd say, look, it's, it's lost. What are you going to do? But it's not. And the federalist system that, has been, that was set up with, with multiple layers of government Sovereign states, there is so much we can do. If anything, folks, we're actually in the best position than ever to have the Democrats have the federal government. Because what happens is, and we saw this under Trump, when Republicans get the feds, then all the state governments and, and even the voters think we're taking care of. Papa's taking care of us. And they don't do anything. Whereas now they're more inclined to push back against Democrats. Unfortunately, a lot of people can't think for themselves, so they'll only fight it if the Democrats are saying it, then they'll oppose it. But they should be doing that even before the Democrats mention it. But that's how it is. See, Republicans are going to do very well in next year's election. I mean, not as well as they really will do because of the cheating, but they'll do very well. We're seeing that. They won the mayorship of McAllen, Texas. That was like an 80-85% Democrat area. Almost all Hispanic. They're going to do very well, as they always do when radical Democrats control the trifecta federally, like the 2010 election. But what are we going to do with it? Are we going to continue the same cycle and just, oh, Republicans won, and do what with it? Do what We should be having special sessions and every regular session. We should have a list of stuff we're going to do to protect healthcare freedom and liberty. Lock up the criminals. Deter and prevent illegal aliens from coming into the state. And I'm constantly pushing very specific ideas 
You get the good guys to introduce them. You make that a litmus test. You market it on all of the talk radio in your state. You have the groups flood the other Republicans with calls. Flood the governor. Threaten primary challenges. Actually recruit candidates. And the more the Democrats push at a federal level this tyranny, the more it forces them to show a contrast. It's budding right there. You just can't have these fools indulge us with language and then fight. You know, I, I noticed, I noted that the Atlantic, Ronald uh, Brownstein wrote an article about the coming red state revolution with all these legislatures doing so many great things. And it was like, it was all relative. They've introduced a lot of good things. Most of them never got signed into law. But it does show you the potential from the kinetic energy we have. So a similar article from two days ago, Keith Riddler, a writer for the Associated Depressed, Far-right Idaho Republicans battle to control party state. So they see the same play I see with Idaho. The dream world for Idaho's ascendant far-right is one where state lawmakers run a sovereign nation state free of federal oversight. It would be a place where they can outlaw all abortion, dictate what is taught in schools. It's funny. They only have a problem with dictating it when it's us. They don't have a problem with the left dictating it. Have complete say over public health rules and gun Yeah, as if we're trying to control people's lives and take control of federal public lands, which make up more than 60% of the state. And many believe they've never been closer to achieving their goals in what is already one of the most conservative states in the country. Mainstream Idaho Republicans who have dominated the state for three decades and would be considered far right in many states have themselves become targets, including protests at lawmakers' homes. They fear disinformation and intimidation is driving the changes in the rural western state. By the way, folks, I'm just telling you, watch what the left fears. That is the play that we need to make. What did I tell you? I said we need to focus on the state, on the smaller red states, and make them redder. And I've really been picking Idaho because because there's a lot of potential there and you have the greater Idaho movement. And they quote a Boise State University political scientist, you know, and they have all this this stuff they talk about. The schism also played out dramatically late last month when far-right Republican Lieutenant Governor Janice McGean, a friend of mine, issued an executive order during a short stint as acting governor while Republican Governor Brad Little was out of state. She ordered a statewide ban on mass mandates, which were already in place in some cities and counties without consenting with Governor Brad Little. And uh, goes on, it's a long article. Another far-right Republican representative, representative Priscilla Giddings is looking to replace McGeehan as lieutenant governor because she's running for governor. Democrat lawmakers are too few to have much say in state government. They have not held the governor's office since 1995 or statewide office since 2006. Only 12 of the 70 House members are Democrats, and Senate Democrats hold only 7 of the 35 seats. Democrats lost two House seats in the 2020 election. Far-right Republicans pick up, picked up two seats by unseating moderate Republicans in the primary. Several open seats were filled by Republicans considered more conservative than the Republican predecessors. Focus, f- folks, Focus! They're telling you what they fear. And they're right. Look at the potential. But again, Idaho had COVID fascism. Idaho's schools are a toilet with, with all this stuff. Aside from life and guns and a couple things, they have all the problems we have in, 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 in other states. There's so much more that can be done. McGeehan and other ultra-conservative lawmakers have stated desire to end federal money coming to Idaho part of a far-right belief involving state sovereignty. Defending our state means making difficult decisions when the federal government tries to bribe us into compliance, she said in in announcing her run for governor. And, And by the way, Janice is exactly right. The money is the mother's milk of red state obsequious obedience to the federal government. You gotta start rejecting that, and she's absolutely right. She talked about the Medicaid funding, Janice McGeehan, let me just tell you, let me just tell you this. Any Republican talk show host that is not focused on Republican gubernatorial primaries, that is the linchpin. They're telling you that. 
You win a couple of Rhino House and Senate seats. What is that going to do, do, do to you in Washington? You get 15 Ron DeSantis's, which if we had a sane movement and talk shows doing what I do, you could achieve in one election cycle because they're all in cycle. You could get 15 states working together that's essentially a country within a country. It's a greater check and balance on the feds than Republicans winning back the House and Senate. Anyone who is not focusing on the Janice McGeehan versus Brad Little Idaho race, they are worthless. So this is where we're at. They quote um, this guy, Jim Jones, a former attorney general, another rhino. I th- Listen to him. I think the closed primary, meaning where Democrats can't bro- vote in Republican primary, is the stupidest thing we've done because it helped turn the Republican Party into a far-right ideological animal. From your lips to God's ears, if only that were true. But again, you're, look at what they fear. They see the play that I see down the field. Why do these Muppet, distracted, loser, supposed conservative talk show hosts not see what I see and focus on what I focus? I don't get it. This is not Jeremiah. I'm not lamenting. This is Isaiah. I'm demonstrating how much we could achieve. There really is so much hope, and I am very hopeful, but we got to direct that. It's not going to happen on its own. I mean, look at these rhinos. I I could go on and on. It's from West Virginia, one of my favorites, Jim Justice, super maggot. He um he had a video greeting from his car. The governor said that he had an unanticipated COVID exposure. So he sits there and says, like, I'm quarantining. This guy is freaking vaccinated, and he's telling people that you must get vaccinated, holding a lottery, saying you have to be masked unless you get it, saying natural immunity is nothing, but still he freaking got it, And is still saying, I'm exposed to it, so I'm quarantining. This is the type of crap we have in a state like West Virginia. And a state in Alabama. And then, I could go on. I could go on and on. Should we do a weekly rhino report? Tennessee, Bill Lee. This is from the DailyRollCall.com, a Tennessee blogger, conservative blogger. It's bad enough that Bill Lee, the governor, wants more legal immigration into Tennessee in the form of refugee resettlement. He's a big supporter of that. Never mind that it forces state taxpayers to pay both the state and federal costs of the voluntary federal program. Never mind that it violates the 10th Amendment. Never mind that it illegally usurps this exclusive power of the state legislature to appropriate state funds. These aren't even the worst aspects of Bill Lee's avid support for the federal program. Even more odious is Todd Garden um, Garden hires push for more illegal immigration to Tennessee, even if it means encouraging more human smuggling. Garden hire has long been a cheerleader for illegal immigration to Tennessee, going so far as to adopt the less politically deceptive label of undocumented instead of the accurate statutory label of illegal alien. Garden hire has tried four times to magnetize the state by rewarding illegal alien students with taxpayer. Um, Subsidies and uh, in-state college tuition. Um, by the way, God, Todd Garden- Gardenhire is a state senator there. Um, when he couldn't get his first bill passed, he tried rewarding the recipients of Obama's unconstitutional DACA program with in-state college tuition. When he failed, he tried broadening the scope of the bill to cover UACs. <clears throat> and um, you know, he's basically talking about how Gardenhire and, and Bill Lee are, are working working on this garbage. Bill Lee is in cycle. He is up for re-election, folks. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. Why do we allow this to happen? Why? This is what keeps me up at night. As dark as or not as dark, but commensurate with how dark things look is how much potential light there is. 
things are darkest before dawn. Precisely because the left is so unhinged and turning so many people off and they're in power. Gives us the opportunity to do so much stuff on a state level. See, typically what happens is it's, it's the balance of power. Republicans get in, then the focus on them, they get kicked out. But I, ironically, having the Democrats in control of Washington, which let's face it, no matter what, they control it anyway. So most of the media attention is on the federal soap opera. And that's actually a good thing. I'm not saying Ron DeSantis doesn't get a lot of scrutiny and a lot of attacks on the state level, but it's not the same as with Trump at a federal level. So in some ways, the best combo you could have is have the Democrats in charge of Washington and us in charge of as many states as we can. You could go pedal to the metal. It's hard to do that to have that righteous indignation, look at what the feds are doing, uh, the legal immigration is in that, and give you um, a pretext to push hardcore stuff at a state level when you have a Republican in charge. It's very hard to do. If anything, we're in much better shape. It's not divided government, like, oh, you know, Republicans control the House and Senate, and he controls Congress, uh, the executive branch, which is worthless. I am just warning you now, Republicans will never push a government shutdown. So they will not fight in a budget bill or a must-pass bill. So what that means is Biden will do everything executively as he already is. It's worthless. But if you have control of a trifecta in a state, if we actually had the right Republicans in and the right pressure and the right focus, that is what I'm trying to do with my Liberty Strike Force teams. Focusing on, you know, whether it's crime or curriculum, it will depend on the position, school board, county judge, county prosecutor, county commission, county executive, state legislator, state attorney general, and governor. Look at how much Greg Abbott has changed since Huffine announced the primary challenge. And since some of us have begun focusing on him. Imagine if other people on that whole Fox lineup, the top 10 radio show hosts and writers would focus on Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma and the Dakotas and Brad Little in Idaho, Cox in Utah, Gordon in Wyoming. Most of these people are up for re-election. Obviously, Tennessee, Arkansas, Missouri. We have so much at stake. So much at stake. There's so much more we can and must be doing. So anyway, I want to move on to just a couple of random assort assorted items that I think will tie back into our main thesis today, just to sew up the week, things I haven't gotten a chance to discuss with you guys, but are really, really important. One of them is we finally have our first lawsuit against the CDC mask mandate on planes, on public transportation. This is the big federal mandate. I, it, it's shocking how it has taken this long, but it's actually a pro se, private plaintiff. I don't know if he himself is a lawyer, that names CDC, TSA, Homeland Security, Department of Transportation, everyone involved with it. And it finally goes after the meat and potatoes. It makes about 14 different points. It's a 200-page complaint. Um, I think it's done very well. It makes the constitutional arguments, Fifth Amendment argument, um, obviously statutory arguments that how do you promulgate something like this without Congress, um, violates the APA notice and comment period, um, really lays out the evidence of lack of efficacy of the harms, um, children. It re this is the lawsuit. It's a federal lawsuit filed in the middle district of Florida. That's Orlando, or at least that's one of the divisions is Orlando. Um, this is basically an individual, Lucas Wall, who is from Washington, D.C. 
He traveled to Florida, and on his way back, he didn't want to wear a mask. He says he has a disability. TSA stopped him, wouldn't let him get on, so he's stranded in Florida. So he has a very ripe cause of action, easy to get standing. I can't believe something this sweeping that affected so many millions of people. I can't believe it took this long, but he put it together, filed it in federal court. So this is very promising, very important. I don't know a timeline, but what I do know is this. Again, action items, red states. This is filed in federal court in Florida. Um, I really hope that the Florida governor signs on, or an, an attorney general signs on as an intervening plaintiff. Um, because remember, it's not just a meekest brief like, hey, I support this guy. You should also be a plaintiff because Florida is uh, affected by this. You know, the governor put out a notice that says uh, in his order that we are going to go back to school normally. Well, you can't because the feds have a mandate on the school buses. And that point, by the way, is made in the lawsuit as well, that it governs intrastate, not just interstate, but intrastate um, transportation, which should be, no matter what, out of its authority. Um and it does name the Florida Department of Transportation as a defendant also for kind of participating in this. So this is something to watch, but this is a big action item. Um, if you could call the attorney general, I believe her name is Ashley Moody in Florida. If you live in Florida, are you going to sign on as an intervening plaintiff? We absolutely, we have never had such a breach in personal individual liberty that is this draconian, this consequential to our health, our privacy, our lives, um, the right to just move freely, and it's not going away, and it's shocking how we have not had a federal case on this. This is something that some random guy with a pro se lawsuit, I'm not, I'm not playing it down, good for him, God bless him for doing it, but he shouldn't be left alone. And this is something that the state attorney general should should file, and easily all the states could sign on because it affects everyone. So this is something I am going to work on. Um, again, very well done, really lays out the case. Much of the research that we've talked about is is in this 200-page complaint, and whoever put it, helped him put it together, God bless them. Uh, we finally have a federal lawsuit um, I don't, you know, I don't know which judge they're going to get. It, it, it's random on a district level. The 11th Circuit is, you know, if, if you have to rank the 12 different federal circuits, the, the main circuits, I'd say maybe it's the third best of them. So it's towards the top. You know, it's not the best venue, but we could have done a lot worse. We'll see what happens with that. Again, very important to get that out now and very important to get the states to sign on to this. I mean, really, states should prohibit. I mean, eventually we need to get to the point where states would run security in the airports and just kick them out and say, um, we'll, we'll arrest you if you make people wear a mask. But baby steps, baby steps. All right. Um, so that's with that. Another... Uh, action item I wanted to mention is my buddy Chip Roy introduced a bill in the Congress that will prevent the Chinese from buying land in America. You cannot imagine how much of a problem this is and how how important it is that we redress this, and it should have been dealt with ages ago, uh, but this is very, very important uh, you know, it came out recently from data from the National Association of Realtors that U.S. home properties, uh, I'm sorry, China has bought U.S. home properties just in 2019 to 2020 worth $11.5 billion. That is a little bit more than a sixth of the total property sales. China's buying not just big city properties, but rural properties. They own us. Again, like, you can't be like, oh, it's a free market. We want everyone to invest in America. There, there's other circuit, you know, there's other factors, and you can't, you can't have that go on for a national security. Obviously, it's going to go nowhere in Congress because Eric Swalwell is not the only one in bed with, with the Chinese. But here's where my brain is going on every issue is, well, wait a minute. 
Chip is introducing this at a federal level, but why can't Greg Abbott and the legislature in Texas, in Florida, in Alabama, Mississippi, South Carolina, Idaho, Wyoming, you name it, do this on a state level? Okay? Just bar, you know, same bill, but just from a state level. Why not? It's time to do it. Well, Daniel, you're regulating foreign commerce. Folks, I'm going to repeat it again. During his July 4th, 1861 address to Congress, Lincoln said, Are all the laws but one to go unexecuted, and the government itself go to pieces, lest that one be violated? Even in such a case, would not the official oath be broken if the government should be overthrown when it was believed that disregarding the single law would tend to preserve it? So in other words, you can't be in a situation because they break a thousand laws and a thousand clauses of the Constitution, and then when we try to redress what the unconstitutional actions that they have taken and the results of them violating all sorts of trade and espionage laws over the years, old dirty old state can't do that. Screw off. We're not playing that game anymore. So that's with that. Um, what else on COVID? There's a lot of other things going on on COVID. You know, there's a report out teen girls. Listen to this. This is a CDC report just published. Teen girls drove significant increases to the emergency department. Okay? Basically, ED visits for suicide attempts are up by 50.6% by March 2021 compared to 2019. Boys increased much less. But folks, I want you to think about that for a minute. All for a lie, a virus that doesn't affect them. It's not just, oh, I'm being careful. I'm overstating the effects on kids. What's the harm? That's the harm. And by the way, as a side point, we talked about this all week with the CDC now lying and saying that, oh, no, no, I think I think COVID could potentially be a threat to kids, even healthy kids. With no evidence, of course. And, you know, they, they had this study they showed, oh, you know, there, there was an increase in hospitalizations among children. And the increase was like from, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but 17 people to 18 people. And it occurred during a period of spread. It wasn't greater than, you know, it was the same thing it always is when it spreads among every age group. But the another point I made earlier this week is that part of what's going on is that they're designating anyone who tests positive as a COVID hospitalization. And that's true of every age group, but the gulf between BS and real COVID hospitalizations is greater among kids because it's much less likely that it's really affecting them. But what this does is, indeed, there are more kids in the hospital than ever before because of the lies of our government convincing kids that they're going to die. Because of that, they're coming in for depression and suicide. But if it's a period of broad spread, kids, with kids, they mainly, the issue is they don't get sick from the virus in a meaningful way. Not that they don't test positive. I think they test positive. Studies have shown a little bit lower rate than adults, but they definitely get it. So if you have a period of spread and you have a bunch of girls in the hospital because of the COVID panic lies, lockdown masking policies, they're there for suicide. Well, a certain percentage of them will test positive. Boom. That right there is a COVID hospitalization. You could not have created something more Orwellian than that. But that's where we are with these subhuman maggots. And that's what they are. No regard for the lives of children. Yesterday, we talked a lot about crime, um, and I just wanted to go over, there's a couple more important stories. I'm going to do an article on Monday specifically targeting juvenile gun crimes, which is just, there's a free lane for that, so that's why you have more of that than ever, but I want to go over again the North Dakota case. It's even worse than I made it out to be. 
And again, this speaks to the need for action items in red states to finally have anti-crime legislation. We've stopped doing this for, for more than 20 years. And they're being let out everywhere. So we talked about this guy who I think is a Liberian refugee, Arthur Prince Kali, who murdered this 14-year-old girl, stabbed her 25 times out of nowhere, how he had a criminal record. He was convicted for assault on a cop. Then he was put on probation. He was let out last year. And then on December... So imagine you have a guy with violent history. December... He's arrested for not just possessing a firearm, but discharging it and possessing drugs. On May 7th, just a month before this attack, he uh, they disposed of the case. They gave him supervised release and 29 days in jail, which he had already served, so his time served, let out right away. Violent guy with a criminal history, discharges a firearm, no problem. It turns out there's more to the story. There's another layer. He was all arrested again on January 1st. The charge is resisting arrest and running away from officers or something. So I don't know what the underlying issue was. But the point is, so imagine you get parole again. And he's arrested again. And he was released like on his recognizance, nothing. Got more supervised release. Four days later is when he killed, allegedly killed, this girl. Think about that, folks. Think about that for a minute. We need thresholds for mandatory, you know, 500,000 bail, million bail, and no bail based on crimes and past history. We need that in every state. Don't think that the bail problem is only endemic of New York, Chicago, and, and California. This is a problem everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Okay? Nothing, I mean, nothing more, nothing less. This is a problem everywhere. Now, there's a bunch of other crime stories that have come up I can't even keep track, honestly. Um, it's gotten that crazy. But this is the story every single day, every single place. Let me read to you another story. This is from Miami. Again, so Florida, you know, you have a lot of blue areas and state legislatures that are controlled by Republicans should be able to, like, I don't want to hear this, oh, the judges and the, you know, um, prosecutors even are bad in the urban areas fine but the state legislature controls criminal statutes so they need to deal with this there a miami gardens man who posted bond last month after being accused of attempted sexual battery is back in Broward jail thursday this time without bond but the point is basically um this guy 28-year-old Rashid Mansir, wonder if he's a, you know what, um, he preyed upon at least eight women, eight women, picked them off the streets. Um, here's what he did. Eight women, he claimed to be a cop, and then in some cases raped and robbed them. That, that's a pretty serious thing, a guy dressing up as a cop and saying, you need to come with me, and then rapes them. <laughs> that, that's a pretty big deal, right? But two months ago, he he did just that. He dressed up as a cop, grabbed a woman in Hollywood, that's in Broward, and attempted to rape her. She ran, but in the process was, I guess she was so desperate to get away that she um she basically got run over, her foot got run over by a car because she probably just darted out, panicked, and her foot got run over, breaking her, le breaking her leg. Attempted robbery in that circumstance, posing as a, um, as a cop. And I'm sure this wasn't his first rodeo. I'm sure he had a criminal record. I didn't have time to check it. Circuit Judge Nina DiPietro 
set his bond for $25,000. Attempted sexual, sexual battery, felony battery, and impersonating a police officer. $25,000 was, was his bail. And again, this is not an exception. This is what it ha- This is the rule. This is the rule. And then now he went on to, he posted bail, but a few days later, just days later, he was at it again. This time he actually raped a woman. He picked the woman up off the street, got her into the car, um, and raped her, and they believe he did it to eight women. Folks, I keep saying this again and again, in addition to bail laws, we need to jujitsu the left and their messaging and have our own Violence Against Women Act. That if you have enough probable cause to arrest someone for a sexual assault or attempted sexual assault, they should be held without bail. Or very high bail. Certainly if it's a real rape, it should be without bail. And we should have post-conviction mandatories. We need that so badly. And you know, you know, my um, my idea is part of that bill will be so. Let's say you know, rape would be um, if it's straight up first degree, you know, and it, and it's someone you know, someone that really just forcibly grabbed a woman randomly, randomly, and and beat her and and raped her like that. It should be it should be life without parole. But what I would also do is in this legislation I put there that the week or maybe even month that he raped her he has to spend time in solitary confinement and think and remember what he did okay again in in addition to legislation we need with you know the more known suspects where it's like a former boyfriend or husband ex-husband um we need to get stricter on those who violate the protective orders so there's a lot of things we need to do it's good policy. It's also good politics. It's stupid why Republicans don't push it, but then again, that's why they're the Republican Party. Tons of other cases, but I just want to go over one more here. This is unbelievable. Isaiah G. Zeke um, Gardenhire. Okay? It's funny. That was the same name as that Rhino State Senator in Tennessee. I didn't even realize that. Just hit me. He racked up a 20-year criminal history in Central Michigan. Central Michigan area, 20-year history, um, endless, endless stuff, including multiple assaults, home invasion, felony possession of firearms. Last time he was arrested, he was released from prison for his last sentence in October of last year. He was arrested again last month, meaning May 2021, for criminal sexual conduct with a child under 13. So you have that sort of rap sheet over 20 years, and then you get let out on parole, and then you violate the parole with a charge of molesting someone under 13. How much bail do you think the guy should be set on? Well, I would think he shouldn't be held, he should be held on no bail, kind of like the guy with his feet on Pelosi's desk, but at least held on a million or two million, two million right? Well, he was released May 27th, after posting just 7500 cash bond. Just one week later, Gardenhire allegedly went on a 40-hour crime spree at Mount Pleasant, Michigan, that includes killing 13-year-old Adri Dembowski, which you'll never hear her name, took hostages, carjacking, robbed, sexually assaulted two women, one of whom was a stranger to him. Adri Dembowski, another name that will be lost in the ash heap of criminal justice deform. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, if you. Republicans claim to at least want to win. Like, they care about politics. I know they don't care about policy and, and morality and outcomes and the citizenry and doing, doing the job that government should do. But just from a political standpoint, you could have, like, an endless flow of political ads that are the most sympathetic things to crush your opponent on in every single congressional district and state in this country. It's a mystery to me. But again, this is what we need to do in the red states. If we would push this stuff, believe me, 
we'd light a fire under it. I watched it happen in the early 90s. The reason it's not happening now is because no one's pushing it. Everything I've been asking for now in Texas is actually happening. It's funny. It's funny what happens when you actually grasp onto what God is sending your way. It's not far from you. It's in your mouth, in your heart, so you can fulfill it. It's right there for us. Sign up at constitutionaction.com. Send this show to 50, 100 of your relatives, friends, neighbors. Give us a five-star rating if you can at iTunes. Really appreciate it. I do apologize. Some of you have asked me about there's random ads running on iTunes. Those are not my ads. Um, But yes, it does help get the show around. I mean, we got to turn on the lights. So it's either that or me selling out on the content. So I think you'd rather the former. Um, There were times, my understanding is, because I don't hear it played back, that the the ads kind of cut me off like they were randomly put in so i think we've taken care of that um as far as the content of them look the ones that i live read are the ones that i personally believe in and endorse these things they are what they are so who knows you you, you know the drill you know how this works i mean just like when you click on a video you'll get an ad there's not much i can do about that but i do appreciate you guys bringing that to my attention have a terrific weekend Let's organize, let's stay informed, let's stay empowered. God bless you all.